just as a, um, a side note of encouragement, my mum um, lives in Wellington and last Thursday night um, she's part of a group and her and about, I think there was about 45 others went into Parliament. They go every couple of months and they went into Parliament and they prayed in the Parliament buildings. And there was about 12 politicians um, from all different parties that joined them as well. And they prayed for our nation, they prayed for the politicians, they prayed for the upcoming elections. Um, Tim McIndoe, who is a NMP from Hamilton, he led the prayer. Um, and my mum said it was just a really encouraging time. Um, so, yeah, so we are not alone praying for our politicians. You know, it doesn't matter what party we vote for. God hears our prayers and he knows what is needed in our country. So it's really cool to, to, to stand together. I love it when stuff comes together. Um, the guys that played tonight had no idea what I was speaking on. And even Phil started with my punchline. I'm like, I, no, it's a good thing. It means that hopefully I'm on track, you know. Um, everything that I've been praying about for the last couple of weeks, especially this week, these guys sung about, we've already talked about. And so I know that God wants to do something tonight. It totally set us up in a good way. And so I, 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 I honestly want to keep this short. I just want to get out of God's way because I know that he's got some stuff to deal with tonight. But Phil said I had to say a couple of words, so I have written some stuff down. <laughs> so, so tonight I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts on freedom, which we've already sung about and talked about, which is kind of cool. And what freedom actually means to us. You know, when I was a kid, freedom meant staying up late past my bedtime. Freedom was the weekend or when school was out for summer. Freedom was when mum and dad weren't around and I felt like I could do what I wanted to do. You know, things like sneak lollies from the lolly jar. Or convince our babysitter that we were allowed to stay up later than we actually were. Freedom for me was breaking the rules. When I became a teenager, freedom took on a whole nother meaning for me. What I called freedom, most people called rebellion. I thought that resisting those in authority, whether it be my parents or my teachers, it gave me the freedom that I so desired. When it came down to it, rebellion and freedom meant the same thing to me. And I had no respect for those in authority or even those who were just trying to love me. But then I became an adult and all of a sudden I no longer felt the need for freedom. No. <laughs> I wish. But to be honest, for the longest time, I still thought that freedom and rebellion were one and the same thing. And I fought hard for my freedom. I fought against anyone who I thought was in my way. In its essence, freedom means to be free from something. Now, this whole time that I was looking for my freedom, I actually had no idea, really, what I was trying to be free from. I think I was looking for freedom from authority and from rules. And this so-called freedom wasn't quite as bright and shiny as it seemed. I was lost. I was struggling with life and struggling with the choices that I was making even though I kept telling myself that I was free, 
I didn't actually feel like it. In fact, I was probably more bound up than ever. I think deep down I knew that I was running from God, even though at a conscious level I was unaware that he was pursuing me. I look at the stage in my life and I look at the Bible and I think at that stage my life most resembled the life of the prodigal son in which you can read about in Luke 15, 11. Just like the prodigal son, I felt that what I really wanted in life was freedom. That living under a roof where I thought I was pinned down under authority and rules was not the life that I wanted. And so just as he did, I ran away. I ran after my freedom. But just like the prodigal son, my life of freedom was not quite what I thought it was going to be like. And just like him, realising I'd made a mistake, I eventually found my way back to my father's house. You know, I heard a really great analogy the other day about freedom and how it's like a train. And a train is only free as long as it actually stays on the tracks. A train that jumps the tracks is free of the rails, but no longer free in the most important sense of the word. It is a freed wreck that actually can't go anywhere. Free, but not truly free. A train is only effective when it is on the tracks for which it was designed. Tracks don't inhibit a train, but actually enable it to run freely. For so many years, I was trying to be a train free of its tracks. And like the train, all I was was a freed wreck that was literally going nowhere. Um, Like Phil's mentioned already, one of the verses I love is Galatians 5, verse 1, which tells us, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then a little bit later on in verse 13 it reads, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And if I was going to be really honest, I think it's only very recently that I've fully grasped what those verses actually mean. The sinful life that I was living, it was not freedom. In fact, freedom to do as I pleased, to be free to sin, is no freedom at all. It was enslaving me to the enemy and to my own sinful nature. Christ died to set us free from sin and from a long list of laws and regulations. Christ came to set us free. Not free to do whatever we want because that would lead us back into slavery and to our selfish desires. But to set us free that we would live unselfishly and live a life that glorifies him. And so in my old age, I've learned that freedom... (laughs) These lights are kind, hopefully. True freedom in the biblical sense can only be found when we're obedient to God. In God, we can have true freedom and freedom from our old sinful nature. Freedom is found in obedience. Now, that is a word I struggled with for a really long time. When we think of obedience, we tend to think of obligation. We associate obedience with duty, perhaps even drudgery. From the earliest age, we resist those in authority 
it's our human nature to do so. If you've ever seen a two-year-old throw a tantrum, you'll know exactly what I mean. But God requires our obedience. Right back in the garden, God gave Adam and Eve one commandment. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God didn't tell Adam and Eve to love him. He didn't tell them to serve him or to worship him. He expected only one thing, and that was their obedience. Because their obedience would demonstrate their love, their service, and their worship. God didn't place the tree in the garden to torment Adam and Eve. He placed it there to give Adam and Eve free will. They could choose whether to obey God or not. God has given us a free will, and he always, always gives us a choice. And so our obedience to him is also a choice that we get to make. But the more I get to know God and his plan for my life, a plan that is good, a plan to prosper me and not to harm me, I ask myself, why would I not be obedient? I actually have more freedom in Christ than I ever had away from him. So like I said tonight, I just want to keep it really short. And I want to give us space to ask God what he wants to set us free from tonight. What area in your life do you need freedom? You know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we don't struggle with freedom. You might be sitting here thinking that you're free, but I want to challenge you and ask you, are you really in all areas of your life? When I was praying about tonight, I felt that God wants to free people from things that are holding them back from all that he has for them. Like I said, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you can't be in bondage. He wants to free people from addictions. And you know, often when we think of addictions, we think of drugs and alcohol. But an addiction can be anything that will keep you from God. It is anything you turn to instead of God. Maybe for you it's the internet. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's Netflix. Maybe you have an unhealthy relationship with food. Maybe you're so addicted to exercise and you use that as your escape. Whatever it is that is keeping you from a closer relationship with, from God, he wants to free you of that tonight. When I was praying about tonight, I really believe that God wants to free people from technology. I just, whether that is Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Snapchat, Pinterest, or even if it's a silly game on your device, you may not realize it, but it could just be the thing that is keeping you from greater levels of freedom, and it could be what is keeping you at arm's length from God and all that he has for you. These things, in moderation, are actually not bad. Now, I'm not saying that we have to throw our phones in the river, but they can be one of the biggest distractions for us, and if left, can grow into an unhealthy obsession. They can consume our time and leave God as an afterthought instead of a priority. I had a friend confide in me the other week, and she was telling me how she's addicted to Candy Crush. Now, I, you know what? It may sound really silly, 
But to her, it was an absolute addiction. She found that she was spending so much time on it that she was neglecting not only her relationship with her husband and her kids, but every spare minute she had, she would be on the game. And so her quiet time with God had completely disappeared. She recognized this was a problem and, and came and got prayer and, and um, we deleted the game off her phone. <laughs> I empowered her to do it. I know for me personally, um, for a while there, I was totally addicted to my phone. Now, at the time, I would have said that I wasn't, but I know that it was getting out of hand. I would check my phone every other minute to see what was posted on Facebook or Instagram or even on Pinterest. It was like I had FOMO. I had fear of missing out, and I needed to know everything that was going on every single minute of the day. It didn't matter if I was at a friend's house, out for dinner, or at the movies. I would constantly be checking my phone, and I would miss conversations with Phil because I'd be checking. And honestly, I hate to think what things I was missing hearing from God because my mind was always so full, full of stuff that actually doesn't matter. It was my default. Every time I had a spare second, I was on it. These days, I'm intentionally slowing down my mind. Freedom for me now is having uninterrupted time with God. It is about turning off technology and focusing on what's really important. (laughs) I didn't realize what a bind it had become to me. But God has a good way of, of, of showing you things. And a couple of weeks ago, our internet went down at home completely. We had nothing for two days. First world problems, I know. But, you know, it was, it was, we we forget how reliant we become on this interweb thing. Um, But it was great because we got to spend more time with the kids. We had face-to-face conversations. It was actually, it was a good thing, you know. But I think for me personally... For me personally, God needed something extreme just to get me out of the habits that I was in. You know, like I wasn't a bad person, I was just distracted. I still have Facebook, and I still have Instagram, and I still have Pinterest. But I limit the time, I don't have time for Snapchat, but I limit the time that I'm on there, and I use it as a tool for connection and community. But I realized I don't need to be on there 24-7 and I don't have to have FOMO. I've learned to prioritize God first in my life and I feel I have so much more freedom. My life is way more calmer and I feel a deeper connection with the real source of my joy and happiness. Now I actually still have FOMO, but now it's when it comes to God's word and what he wants me to show me. I don't want to miss a thing. And so we do joke around about this, but what is it for you tonight? What is it that you need to lay down at the altar? Ask God what he would have you lay at the foot of the cross tonight. You know, I had another friend who gave away her Kindle as she was absolutely addicted to books. Again, you can think books, is, it's not a bad thing, but she recognized that she was spending so much time reading to escape her reality 
that it became unhealthy. She would turn to her Kindle before she would turn to God. She knew how she was, and she knew that she needed to give it away so that it would no longer distract her from her reality or from God. Again, these things are not bad things, but if they are keeping you away from God, they can be. If they are keeping you away from the intimacy that God wants with you, God says, I want you back. He says, I want your heart to long for me, and I want you to be distracted no longer. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, examine your heart, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, whatever that slavery may look like in your life. So that's it. I'm going to get the guys back up to join me. And as we stand and as we worship our God again, worship our God that is, is so hungry for us, so, so longing to spend time with us, for us to connect with him at a way deeper level so that he can give us even more freedom than what we see now. We can stand. We can kneel. We can, we can do whatever we, we want to to come before Christ, lay this stuff down at the altar and go, God, I don't want to be distracted from you any longer. So why don't you stand up if you want to... No, let's all stand now. We'll just, we'll just position ourselves. One of the... Um, simple statements I often make is when you're deceived you don't realize it that's how powerful deception is tricks you into thinking your reality is the good one and what Kathy's brought tonight is pretty simple pretty clear word and we want to make sure that we don't miss what God is wanting to say to each one of us We can even use things like humor as a defense against what God is trying to say to us. We can plead ignorance, but I think the way that we all know what God wants to do is through conviction. So if you're game, let's pray. And then the band will lead us in a song. Lord, we welcome you here. And we thank you for the power of your scripture that shows us the life you've called us to. Would you highlight for each one of us any hindrance, obstacle, or addiction that is keeping us from that place of intimacy with you? We welcome the convicting presence of your truth that you would not bring condemnation or judgment, but you would bring an invitation to freedom. Freedom in you. Freedom to be who you called us to be. Tonight, we choose not to partner with deception, fear, or condemnation. We reject the accusations, 
of the enemy that seek to divide us from God's freedom and the power that comes when we're obedient. We turn and face the one who is love to receive his love, to be empowered by his grace, to step across the chicken line into a place of surrender. As we worship you now, we want to be obedient. Would you give us the strength and the boldness to lay down those things that you highlight in our heart? So Spirit of Truth, now we invite you to shine your light in our hearts, in our minds, in our habits, in our secret places. Would you bring your light to reveal those things that the Father would like us to surrender tonight. Thank you for your light. Thank you for your light. Shine your light. As we worship, I invite you to be obedient to what God's showing you. You may sit, you may stand, you may kneel, you may come out the front here. And if you want prayer, come and find one of the leaders and we'd happily pray with you. But let me say this Christ has already paid for your freedom. Let's step into it. Let's step into it.